Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Today we're doing something slightly different. I had the honour and privilege of being on the Authentic Tea podcast with Rachel Beanland a few weeks ago. And in fact, she also did an amazing podcast on this podcast, which was all about meditation. But I realise that most of you won't have hopped over and listened to Rachel's podcast. And we had such an interesting and fabulous chat all about why we should lead a healthy life and how easy it is and how we get bucket loads of energy when we do that. So I thought I would share Rachel's podcast with me chatting about it and that it would be interesting for you to listen to it this way. And before we dive into Rachel's podcast, just a reminder that right now, the Healthy You, Healthy Family Challenge is still on. There's only two days to listen to all the amazing classes. So if you haven't signed up, then pop over. I will leave the link in the show notes. You have two days to look at all the videos. They'll be taken down on my Friday morning. Don't worry if you miss out. There will be another chance in August. And also the Healthy You, Healthy Family group program is open right now. And I'll leave a link for that as well. So I open this up every few months. It's a fabulous way to work with me because um, obviously it's a lower budget than if you work with me one-on-one. And if you want to do one-on-one coaching with me at the same time, you also get the bonus of having all the benefits of the group program and of doing one-on-one. And as I say in Rachel's podcast, if you want to chat to me, I offer a 30-minute breakthrough session. And again, I will leave the the link in the show notes. So enjoy, enjoy, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. It's absolutely wonderful to be joined today by Orlina. Orlina uses her experience and expertise to support women and their families to develop healthy habits and lifestyles. Paulina's podcast, Fit and Fabulous, shares inspirational stories and ideas on how to create and maintain health and well-being. Paulina offers one-to-one and group coaching for busy mums who are feeling stressed and overwhelmed to help them find healthy routines, habits and systems. And Paulina also hosts a Healthy You, Healthy Habit Challenge for mums to create family habits that fit into a busy, hectic lifestyle. So welcome, Paulina. It's wonderful to have you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. 
It's great to reconnect with you. And we've been talking about how we were both at university together. And now years on, we are following slightly different paths than we were then. But where was there a point in your own career, in your own life, when you started to recognize that the importance of good nutrition and how making changes to food and the eating patterns that we have could impact both our individual and also family health? That is a really interesting question. And I think when I was doing clinical work, I was working as a pediatric doctor. And I was aware, obviously, that how we eat really impacts us. So typically, as a pediatric doctor, you're seeing a lot of kids with tummy pain. And a lot of that tummy pain is constipation due to not eating vegetables. And at that time, pre having kids, I would glibly say to parents, oh, you just need to eat more vegetables. It's really easy, (laughs) which on one level it is. But now as a parent, I realize that it's not quite as easy to get our kids to eat vegetables as we want. But I think for me, that realization that I could do better, that I could take more care of myself really came when I had kids. And for me, I've got four children. So I had four children under the age of four and a half, which was, as you can imagine, stressful, full on, you know, lots of big emotions. And it was a few years later on, but I really started to see that I wasn't being the mother that I wanted to be. I was feeling stressed and this would manifest as, you know, snapping at the kids, feeling tired at the kids, and just not being the person that I wanted to be. And taking a good hard look and thinking, okay, so what's going on here? And obviously, it wasn't something that happened like overnight, I came up with, ha I've got these four pillars. So I now teach four pillars, but I developed them over a period of time by looking and thinking, so what is important to us, partly from looking at the research that shows us what a healthy life is and how do we lead a long and healthy life but also it shows us how we can feel fabulous because basically when you're leading a healthy life you do feel fabulous you do have that energy one of the questions I like to ask people is out of 10 how much energy do you have every single day to do the things that you want to or have to do and very rarely do people say 10 out of 10 but I can genuinely say I have enough energy to do everything I want to do every single day. Okay, I'll I'll give a little caveat, not when I'm unwell, but other than that, 10 out of 10 every single day. And I think so many people are so close and they just don't realize it. That's an amazing way to measure your energy levels. I love that. I think that's a really nice way. It's also a nice way to check in on yourself, isn't it? Like, how do I feel? Where am I on that scale? So can you look back now, like you were just sharing there about your own experience of becoming a mum and having four children and very small little children at the same time. Do you think now when you look back, where were your energy levels on that scale? And was there a point where you really thought, gosh, this is something I need to really change. I, I want to be 10. Yeah, definitely. So when I look back now, I would say... Well, I would say probably my average was around eight, but I would definitely say there were times when it dipped to three. And I can remember times when, for example, on Sunday morning, I go to our beautiful market and I buy loads and loads of vegetables. And obviously I have to come home and unpack them. But there would be times when by the evening I just hadn't done it because I would come home, plonk everything on the kitchen table and then 
you know, the twins would need feeding or nappies changing and all of that stuff. And I just wouldn't get to this job until the evening and just thinking, oh, I just don't have the energy to do that. Or, you know, I remember at sort of bedtime and reading to my children that their bedtime, seven o'clock or so in the evening and just sort of lying on their carpet and thinking, oh, it's so nice just to lie down. and be horizontal and think I'm just going to lie here for a little bit recuperate my energy before I start this other job so thinking there were really dips in it and thinking how did how did that transformation happen for me I think what I first recognized was this snapping this being cross and grumpy and first of all recognizing that it wasn't helping the situation in any way whatsoever it was just exacerbating and making everybody else cross And secondly, thinking this isn't how I want it to be. And thirdly, thinking this is a symptom of a bigger picture. What do they say? It's like having a a light on your dashboard saying this is showing that something else isn't working. And so for me, the, the bits that I really worked on. So I teach four pillars, which are nutrition and exercise and sleep and mindset, emotions and mindset. For me, the big pieces or the ones where I started were emotions and mindset and really thinking about how you can get stuck in this sort of negative way of thinking and you know it's it's normal for us to be negative we're sort of negatively wired but with self-awareness you can overcome that and you can say okay this isn't a way of thinking that is serving me I'm going to think in a different way and it's interesting and you know it's work to do but it's fun work to do So that was a big part of it. And I think another big part for me was exercise as well. I remember I'm now a keen, avid swimmer. And during the summer, I will swim like two or three kilometers every day in the sea. It's beautiful here. But this really started for me when my children were little and they were going off to the swimming pool to have swimming classes. And one day my husband returned with the two older children who must have been I can't remember, around five or six, I would guess. And I had been looking after the twins who were younger. And my husband came back and said, Dante hasn't been swimming because he didn't want to go swimming. (laughs) You know what it's like when you've got a young child and you're like, hmm, yeah, okay, I hear that he doesn't want to go, but I've paid for that swimming class and he's going to that (laughs) swimming class. So I said, okay, don't worry. I will go next week and, you know, a little bit of gentle persuasion will get him in the pool sort of you know a bit of harsh love so I sorted that out and then I went upstairs to watch the class and thought it's ridiculously hot here it's a bit boring and why aren't I down there in that swimming pool swimming and that was really the start of it and I would just go once a week for the time of their lesson which I think was not heaps of time but I recognized that it really just gave me this space now as I say, I had four young children. And when you have four young children, they like to jump on you, which is lovely. You know, I love cuddles. But at a certain point, it starts to trigger your I'm being attacked. And you feel like you need a little bit of space. And so to go in that swimming pool, and just have nobody touch me for however long it was, was just kind of bliss. And I started to really relish that. And, you know, my swimming grew from strength to strength. I just did a little bit more and a little bit more. I started doing swimming training and then swimming in the sea. Um, And then last year, because of the pandemic, when we were all at home and my children weren't having to go to school, I started just going every single morning at seven o'clock in the morning with my friends. So 
what I call that spiral upwards as opposed to as opposed to spiral downwards. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story because it's amazing to see how it's evolved. And do you think some of that also was about realizing that you've been in a role where you were caring for a lot of people, both through your professional role, but also as a mum and being in a family where you're, you're giving care all the time. So was that moment also of, ah, I can also care for myself. Do you think there was a bit of a realization? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I see this so often with my clients and people that, you know, listen to my podcast and things like that. And I think this is one of the big reasons why I want to talk to mothers in particular for two reasons, partly with my pediatric hat on. I think mothers are in such an amazing situation to help their children develop healthy living habits. And when you grow up with healthy living habits, it's just normal. It's just what you do. There's so many studies that say, you know, children who go to university, they essentially eat the same way as they do at home. And children who are used to moving, it's just what they do when they're older. And it's all about doing stuff without thinking, because that's just what you do. Those are what habits are. So we can hugely influence our children's habits And from a public health point of view, that's amazing, because when people grow up with healthy habits, then obviously they're going to lead longer and healthier lives. But the other aspect of it is that mothers are hopeless at looking after themselves. And you can see the logic behind it. Like when you first have a baby and they need your care 24 hours a day, this tiny creature is dependent on somebody else to do absolutely everything for themselves. And we get into that role of, I am going to care for my baby 24 hours a day. And you know, you may be lucky and have some help, but normally it's minimal help. And gradually, as that baby grows older, they become more autonomous, more able to do things for themselves. And that's the idea. We want to teach them to do those things. But we get stuck in this mindset, this habit of, oh, my goodness, I have to put everybody first. And I have to put my own needs right at the bottom of the pile. But the absolute reality is, is if you can care for yourself, by which I mean, look after yourself, eat healthily, make sure you get exercise, make sure you get good sleep, make sure you replenish your batteries, then you are in a much, much better situation to care for whoever it is you're caring for. So your family or other people that you need to care for, because you've got the energy to do that. And so as a parent, a lot of the the work I have found is emotional work. You know, our kids have such big emotions and it's exhausting you know, it's like their emotions are like up and down. They're like a roller coaster, you know, in the space of five minutes, my son will say, oh, mommy, this is the best day ever, the worst day ever, the best day ever. And I'm like, I can't keep up. I can't keep up. (laughs) But, you know, whilst we're connecting with them, we're taking on some of those emotions. And as adults, we're much slower to get angry, but we're much slower to calm down too. So our emotions are sort of being dragged along by our children and it's it's exhausting unless we have the tools to cope with that emotional roller coaster, but also the tools to look after ourselves. And then when we've got all of that, we can actually show up and make sure that we're feeling fabulous and help our kids with whatever their issues are. And do you think that some of that for you is also mirrored when you've moved into a different environment? So some of the things you've been talking about going to the market, going swimming, being able to go to the sea 
you've now lived in Spain for a period of time. Was your move there also related to wanting to live a slightly different lifestyle or was that coincidental? And how have you found exploring a different way of maybe eating and also the way that people um, enjoy their lifestyle and being outdoors more? Has that been something that's influenced the way that you've been able to look after yourself and your family? Yes, absolutely. So, so many questions, like so many amazing questions there. So on a personal level, yes, absolutely. The reason I made that change was because I wanted a different lifestyle for myself. As much as I love the UK and I loved being in clinical medicine, it you know, as you know, it's a stressful job. And I wanted a different lifestyle for myself. And I hadn't really thought it out exactly. But now as I look back, I can see that, yes, definitely part of the culture in Spain was different. It's more relaxed. It's more laid back. Obviously, the weather is much nicer. And so thinking about how has that impacted in terms of eating, that's a really interesting question from a habit point of view. And one of the things that I teach people is how we create habits and how habits are the key to making it all easy and doing things without thinking. Now, the problem with habits is they are a double-edged sword in that our brain doesn't care whether we have got good habits or bad habits. To our brain, it's all exactly the same. It doesn't matter whether your habit is sitting on the sofa watching television or getting up on Saturday morning to go for a run. Your brain is just like, this is what we do. It's all on autopilot. But obviously, there's a big difference for your body. And one of the things that I teach is about, well, so how do we change our habits? And the key isn't to, it's not about discipline. People think, oh, well, if you're super healthy and you've got this healthy lifestyle, it's because you're really disciplined. And that's not true. It's about how we set up our lives. And so one of the key aspects is environment. And there's lots of studies that show how in order to maintain good habits, you have to set your environment up. So, for example, going to market is a prime example of this because I go to market on Sunday and, hey, guess what I can buy at market? I can buy fruit and vegetables. If I were to go to the supermarket and see all those amazing chocolates and cakes and packaged foods, it's not like I have this amazing willpower. Well, I have actually trained myself to just walk past them now, but they're still there. They're still tempting. Whereas at the market... I can buy fruit and I can buy vegetables. So what's the worst I can buy? Some grapes or some, you know, some sugared, some highly sugared fruit and vegetables. There's, I come back with kilos and kilos because I know that I need to feed my family for a week and I buy what's available, which is basically vegetables. So the environment does play a huge, huge role. And so, yes, on a personal level, it's totally helped. And it's also helped me see that, It can be really, really easy when you get into the habit. So I cook everything from scratch. Again, not because I'm super disciplined. It's because there isn't an alternative here in Spain. We have even less packaged food than you do in France. In fact, we love coming to France and raiding your supermarkets because it's like, oh, wow, they've got all these amazing French cheeses and different desserts, which we just don't have available here. So yes, there is processed food here. It's not like the zero processed food, but I don't look at it and think, oh, that looks delicious. I look at it and think, oh, that looks a bit, you know, cheap and nasty. And you know that they've used horrible oils and emulsifiers. And I think I just don't really want to buy it. Not like in the UK where you actually get some processed foods that are made with reasonably good quality ingredients. So it's definitely influenced 
what I teach. And it's, I think, again, it's this spiral upwards. It just, the environment helps you create these habits. And as you create these habits, you build on the habits and you go up and up and up. I can really see how that's mirrored some of my experience from moving to France, actually, because the market, and it's it's interesting that for you also, the market is a big thing. And I think that goes with how some European countries have retained that sense of local food, local producers, and really relishing the products that they can grow locally and sell locally. And for me, I'll just share a little story here. When we first went to the market, I used to find that people were touching the food a lot and checking out which apple they really wanted to buy and, you know, looking at the apples and thinking, oh, no, I'd rather this one. And I I was really quite shocked because I had never really interacted with my food in that way. I would go to a supermarket and I would pick up a uh, you know, a bag of apples. And I wasn't really thinking about where the apple had come from, what the apple looked like, whether it was going to be nutritious, and when I was going to put it into my body. And from that experience, now going to the market is just something that, yeah, like you say, it's, a, it's an upward spiral. It's become so part of our life and part of our way of being conscious about what we're buying and who we're buying it from what we're putting into our bodies. I can see a lot of parallels with that switch into a different environment and a different culture around us. So I suppose it's it's interesting because I know you, your podcast is called Fit and Fabulous. And I think that's also something that I've seen progress in me of being more aware of how I feel over time. So maybe can you share a little bit about why it was important for you to share uh, some stories and your own thoughts on your podcast and where the title came from. Yeah, I think one of the things that we all struggle with, or, you know, when you look at people who aren't leading a healthy life and you think, why aren't you leading a healthy life? And it's not a knowledge gap that most people have. It's really easy. I can sum up, you know, healthy living in two sentences, eat more vegetables and stop eating packaged foods and do some movement go to bed on time and think positive, happy thoughts. That's it in a nutshell. And it's actually really, really, really easy and really simple. But most people don't do it. And that's the big question is, well, why don't they do it? And in my mind, it all comes back to habits because we have these habits and we're not intentional about creating habits. So I think that's one aspect. Why did I call it fit and fabulous? Because that's what I want people to feel. It's about, in my mind, it's about healthy eating and healthy living. Now, I do help people to lose weight. Not everybody, um, not all of my clients want to lose weight. So some people, it's about weight loss, but it's about weight loss for health in my mind. And for other people, it's just about health. But the ultimate goal is to feel fit and fabulous and lead the most amazing life that we can and be really intentional about how we lead that life. So a lot of people think, for example, oh, you know, I'm depressed. I have these sad thoughts. I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking, you know, just like, you know, looking at my kids going to school and thinking, oh, I've got homework to do, or I don't like school and things like that. And you think, well, I know they're children, but yes, we have this life, but we can also be intentional with this life and think, okay, what is it that I want to get out of this life? And I want to be happy. So how do I create happiness? It's not, it's like motivation. It's not like suddenly somebody just drops this out of the sky for you. And you think, oh, now I'm happy. And now I'm motivated. 
No, we have to generate these things and we have to work at them and we have to create habits surrounding them. But once they're habits, they're really easy and you do it without thinking. <laughs> I might sound a bit like a broken record, but that's essentially where I want people to get to. I can lead this amazing life. I can lead a long and healthy life and it can be easy and I can really enjoy my life and do all the things I want to do. And it's just amazing. And with yoga, so with yoga, it's really interesting with habits because what what the yogis will term as habits are like samskaras and they're like threads. So it's like linking to that unconscious thinking that you're talking about, you know, all the subconscious and the subconscious really actually drives so many of our behaviors, doesn't it, from what we've learned. And it goes back to what you were saying about if you can learn behaviors at a very early age, you're going to have those threads and those habits ingrained in you to be able to take forward into adulthood and you become much healthier by doing so. And when you're working with your programs, because your programs, particularly, I know you you run um, the challenges several times a year where you're really helping mums to adopt more healthier habits and also for their families. So could you share a little bit about what those sort of challenges look like for the women that come and join you and what you find women change from some of those processes yes thank you so much for asking yeah we have just finished my first challenge and I've got my next one's going to be in July actually and it was super exciting so the challenge that I did was aimed at mothers I might change that slightly as the time goes on but essentially it's the same thing and it's about understanding this thing about habits and about understanding healthy living and what I want people to take from that is it's easy and fun I always say if it's easy and fun if sorry if it's not easy and fun it doesn't get done so you have to create a system and habits and routines that work for you and in this challenge it's all about helping them just make one small change now the challenge is a week long. So you can't create a habit in a week. But what you can do is create the foundations for a habit. So you know, the understanding of what I want to do. And I always think once you understand something and see it from a big picture level, it shows you that you can do it and that you can take those steps and move forwards. And then at the end of that challenge, if people want to carry on working with me and implementing those changes. So, you know, the the group work we do, there's not heaps more information that you need. It's about actually doing it and it's the same with my one-on-one coaching you know it's not there's no magic oh eat kale at five o'clock in the morning it's it's so easy I've told you everything but most people have so many problems there's what I call the rickety bridge between where you are now and where you want to get to which is where you've got all of these habits set up and the problem with the rickety bridge is that life happens so you go along life happens And suddenly what happens when life happens is you turn back to your habits. Now, if those habits aren't ingrained, it's like there's an elastic band that pings you back to where you were. And then people start feeling deflated and like a failure. And oh, my goodness, I can't do this. There's something abnormal with me. So many people say I've tried everything and nothing works for me. And it's not that they aren't a human being. It's not that they don't have normal physiology. It's all in their brain. It's that they've tried something. They haven't really got to the other side of that rickety bridge. And then they've gone, oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to go back and I'm going to try something different. And really, if they're just stuck to it, they would have got to the other side and it would have been habit. So yeah, that's basically what the challenge is about and what the the group work or the one-on-one work that I do is. It's just we will get you there. We'll get those habits 
create habits in all four of the pillars. It sounds wonderful. And I think, like you say, it's about realizing that we're always learning and that there is no quick fix. You can't do anything very quickly, but by persevering and by championing ourselves. And I think also there's interesting aspect there where you've mentioned about the group work and how that support system. And what do you think about the way that we live life now is often people get very busy and sometimes it can feel like you're really on your own. And do you find that by providing a space where people feel like they're going through a similar process to other people gives them some support that maybe they don't have in their day-to-day life? Yeah, absolutely. And the evidence just shows that if you can make changes with other people, you're far more likely to succeed. So, you know, it's like if you're a smoker and you want to give up smoking, don't go and hang around with your smoking friends who are going to offer you a cigarette. Go and hang around with your people who are like, why on earth would you smoke? Because you're going to just get swept along with that. And it's the same in a group coaching program that people build on each other. So they support each other when they're down, but they inspire each other as well. So again, it's about creating that upward spiral. And I would just add, if anyone's listening and you know is interested, I offer a free breakthrough session, which is just a chat to come and you know talk about you for a little bit and think, well, where are you? And we'll make sure we put all the links in underneath the podcast as well. And I think it's interesting that that offer of that, where are you and that breakthrough also links into what you were saying about your swimming. You're able to give that space to other people, to just somebody to listen to them. And often that is what's missing from a lot of people's lives is that there's a lot going up in their brains and there's a lot going on around them, but they just want that space and that time for them yeah absolutely absolutely and you know I love chatting to people I'm so blessed that my job is essentially chatting to people <laughs> it's wonderful but you know I think they're you're right there is so much value in just being able to take a little bit of your space and go okay so many people have this mind space that they use up and again I talk about the habit fairy you know all of those things that you're just mulling over mulling over but they're using your energy and for a lot of people it's this nagging doubt of I want to lose weight or I want to be more healthy but how do I do it and I never create the space to actually address this situation I'm I, you know in the back of my mind I'm like oh I need to get this new book and try these new recipes and but I'm so busy doing everything else that I never get round to it. So just having time to sit and chat and have somebody else who's objective and goes, okay, this is where you are. This is where you want to get to. How are you going to get there? Just that 30 minutes is like gold dust, I think. And so many people just find that useful, whether they carry on working with me or, or not, even if they don't, they're like, oh yes, I walk away going, I can do this. And it is easy. And you're offering people that clarity of mind, aren't you? And I think you touched on something there about the mind being so busy. And that's something that I've had to work with over time. And particularly some of the skills that I've learned from my yoga practice about quietening down the mind where it's replaying things, whether that's replaying. So we're talking about eating, but like replaying what you've eaten or what you what you slipped up on or the habit you dropped back to or thinking, like you say, into the future. Well, I'll do this next week or I'll do this after I I've had time to get a book or go to this but actually just being able to be present bring yourself back to what's going on now how am I feeling and what can I control today you know what can I do that's going to make me feel great and fit and fabulous like you were saying you know what's going to energize you in that moment in time so I, I can see a lot of parallels with that mindset which you were saying is one of your four pillars that you share with people 
So maybe just talking about those four pillars, can you just maybe just give a little summary of what you, why you decided on the four pillars and then what you kind of combine with them? Okay, so nutrition. Yeah, I mean, nutrition, there's so much information about nutrition and there's so much evidence as well that the way we eat impacts our health. And, you know, if you're thinking about weight loss, people always think, oh, I need to go to the gym to lose weight, but it's not true. It's about 80% what we eat and 20% exercise. But even if weight isn't an issue, still what we eat has huge, great implications on long-term health. And, you know, since we've been to medical school, I think there's been so much interesting research, you know, this idea of the biome, like, I didn't learn anything about it at medical school. At Bristol, we didn't. I know people in other universities who did at the same time. But for me, it's totally new over the last 10, 20 years. So nutrition is really, really interesting. But again, really simply eat more vegetables. Just if you can come away and think, I'm just going to add more vegetables, then that's a really positive change to make. So exercise is really the is pillar number two. And it's the key to having energy and feeling oh my goodness I can use my body our bodies are designed to be used we need to use our muscles every single day particularly we were talking about this before we started recording but after the age of 40 you really need to be thinking about your muscle and your bone strength and how you can maintain that into later life so the key is movement and it doesn't have to be complicated it doesn't have to be you know going to the gym it can just be simple things like walking or cycling or swimming or seven minute workouts but just being aware of how much you move and I recommend that everybody have a sports watch as well because just moving throughout the day just you know I get up and walk around our little garden whenever my watch goes off so movement is super important and sleep as well there's been so much research on sleep so much interesting understandings of how sleep works and what it does to our body over the last 10 years but the reality is we all know that sleep is good for us I don't know about you but when I haven't had enough sleep I'm just unbearable (laughs) I'm like an angry bear and we know that so on one level it's so clear on another level the research now supports that so sleep is a really important thing and also you know there's connections to sleep and things like alzheimer's and other illnesses later on at lifetime and we we all think oh you know i think back to our university days and it was you know burn the candle at both ends and that was really what we were you know advised to do whereas now i think oh my goodness no make sure you get your eight hours sleep you're far better off doing that And then mindset or emotional wellness is what I think is the foundation in that you can't make these changes unless you've got the right mindset. Because if your mindset isn't there and you're thinking it's difficult and I don't want to do this, you're not going to do it. And I think this is, it's just so important and it's so interesting as well. So it's thinking about how we think about things and our emotions and having tools to change those and so thinking about how our thoughts and our emotions and our actions are all sort of go round in this this loop and how we judge ourselves and how we have this really mean voice that talks to ourselves and how you can actually set up systems to not do that and you know meditation is a really useful tool and I recommend all my clients really 
have meditation. Now, whether I add that in right at the start or not, because if you give people too much stuff to change all at once, then they feel a little bit overwhelmed. But essentially, yes, I would recommend everybody do meditation, partly for what I call a maintenance tool to just help you every single day. But also you can use it as an emergency tool as well. You know, when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and your kids are climbing on top of you you can just say do you know what I feel a little bit overwhelmed and stressed I'm just going to take myself away for 10 minutes calm myself down do a little bit of meditation and that's demonstrating really good emotional control to your children who will follow you so those are my four pillars and those are why I picked them and I see lots of people who want to make it more complicated things like you know what supplements do you have to have and thinking about oh these particular foods are really good but I'm all about just keeping it easy you know as I say if it's not easy you're not going to do it so it's easy and simple it sounds brilliant and I could listen to you for a long time because what I really love about the way that you're able to describe these concepts is it's really clear that you're using your experience as a doctor and your experience as a mum and your experience in life in general to share what you've learned but you're able to put it into a really clear way for people to grasp. So it's it's lovely to listen to because it, it really highlights how you've been able to combine both of those things and all of your experience together. As you mentioned, we were at med school together, which feels like a whole world away. Maybe you could just reflect on how your experience since then has got you to where you are now and How do you think that what you're doing now, is it something that you ever thought you would be doing when you left med school? And how has your career kind of found its path to doing something that you clearly get a lot of passion and enjoyment from? Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for that lovely compliment. Yeah. um, So when, when I look back at my time in med school and my time working, I think it's such a busy, busy time. And there's this sort of career ladder that you have to you know, jump and run. And you just go, go, go. And I remember when I finished my house jobs, I went off to Australia for a little bit and worked in a hospital there. And that was enormously fun. And then I had this sort of, you know, impatience to get on the career ladder. And I went back to the UK and I started doing pediatrics, which I enjoyed. But I remember the consultants then sort of saying, oh, and you need to do this and you need to do that. And you should be doing your exams really quickly. And so I found myself on this career path which to one level, it did suit me and I did enjoy it, but there was no sit back and relax time. So I would say at that time, no, I wouldn't imagine myself doing this because the goal was to become a consultant and essentially to get there as quickly as possible. And that's what it seemed like the goal was. So it it was really difficult for me to break away from that. And I say I accidentally lost my medical career because when I moved to Spain, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to throw it all in. I thought I was going to come here and work clinically. And as I explained, long story, but essentially that didn't happen. And that was even before Brexit. I just thought we're in the European Union. I can come and move across here and it will be super easy. And that was not the case. I didn't think I was going to do that. But part of what inspires me is, you know, thinking I did adult medicine only for a short period of time, only in my house jobs. But looking at that time and thinking, just feeling so heartbroken at the time that there were all these people who 
you just kind of felt if I could wind you back 20 years, I could teach you how to do that, teach you all the things to live healthily so that you wouldn't be in this position now. And I think that was one of the things that influenced me going into pediatrics because there wasn't that, oh, a lot of it is just lifestyle. And, you know, children, they sort of bounce. They suddenly are really unwell and suddenly they're so much better. Whereas adults, it's just a slow downward decline after a certain point. And that's a little bit heartbreaking, particularly when you can see so many lifestyle factors that are contributing to that downward spiral. And so now I think, yeah, I love what I'm doing. I know it's less glamorous. I'm not saving lives anymore. I'm not resuscitating babies. I'm not, you know, stopping someone from dying. But actually what I'm doing is teaching people how to have that healthy life so that they don't need to go and see the doctors. And I wish that the health system was set up so that we were teaching people this. Now, I can understand why it's not. It's the way it's been set up. It's funded so that it's an emergency system and it just doesn't really have the capacity to do that. But I do hope that in years to come, all health systems will be thinking, you know what, this is the way that we need to live our lives is by leading healthy lifestyles so that we don't need to go to the doctors and that there'll be more emphasis on preventative medicine going forwards. And I can see it changing, but I think it's a long and slow process. But I think the message really to give people is it's easy and you can do it. And that is what a lot of people don't realize. They don't understand that their health is really in their hands. They just think it happened to me. I suddenly got diabetes. And the answer is no, you didn't suddenly get diabetes. It started happening 20 years ago. You just never noticed. Yeah. And taking that control of yourself and understanding what you can change, I think is quite empowering for people. And when they get that, when they start that journey, it can really lead on to a lot of other changes in people's lives. I think that there is some recognizing of how we should be doing more of this. There's a lot more of a lifestyle medicine movement now, isn't there, particularly in UK and also in Australia and across in the States. There's definitely a movement towards it. But looking back on how we were trained in med school, it wasn't definitely wasn't something that there was a heavy emphasis on. And you know, hopefully in time that can change so that the newer generations of doctors coming through have that as a big part of what they can share with people. Because like you say, we're we're not able to continue to have these health systems that are overburdened if we don't think about preventing health in the first place. So hopefully as we see things change, that will that will come through. But in the meantime, it's wonderful that there are people like you sharing what you're sharing so that people can start to do that, you know, from their own work and from their individual aspects. So I could talk to you for a long time, but just to say, where can people find out more about you and listen to your podcast? What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Fabulous. Thank you so much for asking. So yeah, the name of the podcast is, well, its proper name is Fit and Fabulous at 40 and Beyond. And my website is drorlena.com. So that's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A.com. Great. Thank you. And we'll put those in the links below. And one of the reasons that I absolutely love doing this podcast is meeting other women. And it's just so lovely to hear people's stories and to feel a little bit inspired by what other people are doing. And I hope that the listeners will feel inspired by your story today. But before we go, my podcast is called Authentic Tea. And the idea is really that we show up and be our authentic selves. 
So final question is, with who and where would you like to have your most authentic cup of tea? That is such a lovely question. And I thought when I read it, oh, do I only get one person? And all these famous people flitted through my mind. But actually, it's really just my close friends and family, particularly at this time, having not seen my mum for a year and not seen my good friends. So we would go to Pisa normally in Italy and just have a weekend. And we haven't done that my sisters. So those are the kind of people I would just love to see again. And hopefully in the next year, I will get to see them. That's beautiful. I'm sure you will do. And when you do, there'll be even more special moments. That's so very true. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for being a guest today. It's been really wonderful to chat to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rachel, for allowing me to publish this podcast on my podcast. Remember to go and check out Rachel's podcast, Authentic Tea. Remember to come and join. You're invited to come and join the Healthy You, Healthy Family Challenge, which will be open for another couple of days. And if you think, oh my goodness, I would love to work with you, Dr. Lena, where do I start? Then come and book a breakthrough session, 30 minutes of chatting, and we will have so much fun. Okay, see you next week. Bye-bye.